0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. And Father, I wanted to continue the conversation we had about how the family unit is the basis of society, not the individual, and how the family unit inherently is a connection of relationships. Now, I started last episode by discussing the employer and employee relationship. And one thing that is evident that is shown probably easiest in the employer-employee relationship, but I believe it's evident in almost all relationships, is the notion of incentives and disincentives for lack of an economic way of saying that. You know, if, if you do exactly what we want, we're gonna reward you in some capacity, more vacation days, more pay, bonus, whatever the case may be, you're gonna get some upside if you do everything exactly the way we want. And then also, if you don't do things the way we want, there's going to be downsides. You're going to get um, micromanaged. You're going to lo- be docked pay. You might get fired. Um, you know a, The disincentive side. And I see that in almost every relationship there is. Just maybe we don't look at it through these black and white economic terms you know, at the end of the day, people who keep their word, we tend to want to hang out with them a little bit more often. So an incentive of, we give you more of our time because you have proven yourself worthy, kind of going into that trust factor. And then the converse is ultimately true. You didn't do what you said you would. So we're, you know, disincentivizing you, by giving you less of our time in the future. So to a sense, I see that's natural. You know, you have two people enter into a business partnership. They both think what it's going to be. Maybe those visions aren't identical and that can lead to problems later, but they get down the road a little bit and they see, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It isn't what you thought it was going to be. Both of us tried what we thought we were doing. It just, what the numbers we had didn't add up to what we thought it was going to be. I thought I had a one. I thought you had a one. I thought we were going to get the two. In reality, I had a three and you had a four and we're at seven not necessarily a good thing or bad thing. It's just a different outcome. So as a result, we were trying to get the two here. This isn't going to work. Let's not continue to go down a direction. that's not working. I don't see that as a problem. I see that as an amoral decision. You know, we went down a road. We thought we were going to get somewhere. It's not exactly what either of us thought. Okay, cool. But in terms of, I want to be able to have personal relationships that's where we get into this issue of, of love because teaching people is essentially what you're doing with these incentive and disincentive things that we all do every day in life whether we realize it or not you know do we enter into the cafeteria a little bit happier on taco day than on grilled pizza day or vice versa well you know you might treat the the, the person who's serving you subconsciously different whether you realize it or not and that's just part of life i think and I wanted to address that because I think it's something that's integral to life, but never really talked about, and also certainly underneath this umbrella of universal and unconditional love.
1: Well, I, uh, I again, I appreciate the context, which is a, a very natural one to think in terms of. And I'd like to just reframe a little bit to look at that uh, structure. And I I have to revisit some of my comments from the last episode, too, to contextualize those a little bit. I mentioned in the last episode, we might enter into a contractual relationship. And so then what is each person's due? That's made explicit in the contract. But then we also uh, carry out natural human law, uh, natural law, and treat each other as human beings. And so there's go, there has to be a difference between an employee and a robot or a vending machine, and that, that needs to be uh, reflected in some way. So again, generally, we do that at least through abiding by natural law and treating human beings as different than mules or oxen. Uh, and so I would say in this uh, idea, again, in terms of incentives or disincentives, We have to be careful that we're not training animals, that we're actually interacting with human beings. And uh, what we do should always be a response. So John Paul II established something that he called the personalistic norm, which is that each person has an infinite dignity, which means that it is uh, always immoral to use a person. So a person is interacted with, we enter into a relationship with them and uh, we're, we're made for self gift. And so what's the difference between using the guy at McDonald's who is taking my order, treating him like a vending machine, or actually collaborating with the guy at McDonald's, entering into a mutually beneficial relationship in which we're both carrying out different roles. So there's a real difference there. And so that's, uh, I just bring all that up because the, the structure of incentives and disincentives uh, could be viewed as something that looks an awful lot like training an animal or uh, better um, uh, conditioning, a vending machine or an expert system. And so it really needs to come from, you know, why do I give somebody a bonus? Well, because they worked hard, uh, not just because I want to manipulate them to get a better result. So we can't use or manipulate people. Uh, and, and you know, so that's, uh, we, we just have to be careful about that, that, uh, that concept. Beyond that, what, what happens is, you know, we've all figured out, well, we like it when we are appreciated. Well, how do I show my appreciation? Well, different people uh, would have different answers to that. Somebody who's already independently wealthy may have much less interest in a 1% raise in the charity job that he's working than he has in being able to see the results or being thanked for his hard work or um, being supported in something else or invited to a dinner or something like that. So we, we have to treat each person uniquely individually as best as we can so that we see the person and we enter into relationships with persons rather than, you know, just again, treating the person like a, An animal or a vending machine or a a,
0: a computer system or something like that well that makes sense and in some ways it's it's the same result right like when we go to mcdonald's we're still just giving person the money but this is one of the things that we all can interact in our own thoughts like how do i actively approach this relationship because it is a relationship. Most people think of relationships as long lasting things, but every interaction you have with a person is relationship and getting that mentality going, I completely can can see that, you know, at the end of the day, are we still paying someone for a service? Yes, but there's a giant difference between that. And as you said, just expecting input for output and becoming a robot. And, and that's obviously not good. So I I think that that's important because each one of us can do that every single second of every day. Just what can I implement and how can I think about how can I treat that? And it'll be little things that'll change, especially now that we're not wearing masks anymore. It might just be you gave them a smile or something like that, or just the the softness in your eyes or something like that. And these are things that if you have that starting thought of, Actually, want to treat this person like a person rather than just it means to an end. It comes across, and with conscious thought, your subconscious will take over. It's one of those types of things. But again, so many of us are always living in autopilot that it doesn't come up. So I, I bring this all around full circle underneath the the universal topic I want to start off with, which is universal love and unconditional love, being that. There are times when we talked about the family dynamics that there are expectations you place upon each other that have to be fulfilled. and if they're not fulfilled, there's going to be a consequence. So simply put, you know, if we bo- if the two parents think it's the other one's job to teach your child the Kellers or whatever. And neither one of you do it. Well, then when they get to kindergarten, they don't know what red and red is, or they can't connect the blue one and the blue, you know, stuff like that. And it, it's a problem because now there's the deficiency in the knowledge that you were supposed to teach and the failure as a family, essentially. And I want to bring that up because we, there has to be some mechanism that's still loving but requires to say, Hey, you messed up and we got to fix this. And I want to talk about how the loving way that that would come across, because that's inevitably part of life as well. All of us are going to have shortcomings. Probably a lot of us every day are going to have a shortcoming. So how do we deal with that in a real, you know, loving way?
1: Yeah. And again, I think that is going to depend on the, uh, the person and how we're able to handle the situation. I worked for a company where um, I want to keep this as anonymous as possible, I guess. But the uh, the business owner, who is very involved in the business, um, uh, an employee made a, a couple of mistakes that cost several thousand dollars, mm. and uh, and the and the business owner, whose personal money was funding a lot of it, just addressed. The situation, and you know what was gone was gone, and rather than shaming the employee or demeaning him, he, you know, he wasn't being malicious. He was being uh, forgetful or you know negligent, perhaps. And he said, "Well, you know, he sat down with him, and there were others who could end up making the same mistake." And said, "You know, what's what's a way that we can move forward so that we won't do this again? Where are the reminders or?" what would have helped to prevent this so that we can establish this because it could happen again in the future. How can we uh, move forward from this so that we don't do this again? And, uh, and I was so edified by that approach. So he wasn't angry. He wasn't, I'm going to take this out of your salary. I'm, I'm going to, and he, and he actually had, he said, you know, this is a a Christian organization. So it was appropriate to, uh, to say this anyway, but he, I mean, he said very genuinely, if, if God didn't want this to happen, it wouldn't have happened. So, you know, there's no point in getting upset about it. Let's accept it. It has happened, and then how do we move forward and take a better approach in the future? And um, so, I just was very edified by that. I, I uh, the employee, knew like this is a big deal. I could end up paying for this in some way, and knew that the that the employer was uh, extending himself, and that's it's one definition of the word mercy. Uh, that St. Thomas Aquinas uses, the relaxation of justice for the sake of justice. So in other words, I'm going to extend myself so that things get better in the future, so that we can get to the point of justice, so that you don't keep making the mistake again in the future. I'm going to relax the demands of justice in this case so that you can grow and do better in the future. And uh, that's a, it's a beautiful insight and a beautiful example in my experience of, uh, how we could do that, that kind of thing. Now that becomes more difficult as you have whatever larger companies, or as you have less personal relationships, this, uh, company that I worked for, we knew each other quite well. And there was uh, a good, uh, rapport between employees. And so, you know, we could do this kind of thing and, uh, I'm not sure how much the other employees even knew that the mistake had taken place and things like that, although the, the business owner was careful about that kind of thing to make sure that there weren't you know jealousies that developed or a, a feeling of special treatment or something like that. So the point is, do we see the person and do we do the best thing for the person in the circumstance? Or do we find a reason to exert, you know to vent our anger and to take out our... Uh, Frustration or fear or hurt or whatever, do we use our power to put down others, or are we really using what we have to to build up and
0: and to guide? Yeah, and that's a a great mentality there. And you know, the answer that I thought as you were saying that was like that's just insanely mature, not to try to dwell upon and get angry like a child would, like oh my toy got because essentially it's the same thing as my toy got broken. That's what, you know, ultimately money becomes at some point. Um, it, it, it's a total to, to something else. So, I'm not getting upset about that. I, I recognize, in reality, on the most neutral terms, this was not good. Okay. Um, and then how do we keep it from happening again? Because the alternative to that. And I like to look at what's the opposite that the guy could have done. You know, as you said, he could have got angry. He could have flipped out and he could have created a culture of tension. Like everyone's on pins and needles. I better not mess up. So I'm not the next guy who gets escoriated. And what happens? The more people are tense, the more likely bad things are to happen. You know, pipes that are nice and calm. Don't explode pipes with a lot of pressure in them explode that's the way that people are too in a much you know less way but the emotional human side which is kind of what we've been talking about this whole time is really how growth is made spiritually interpersonally and societally and i think that that's something that just one little mind shift that we talked about here in the beginning don't look at the person as a robot look at them as an individual who's doing a job That it might not be a job we ever would want, but there's a job that a person, a personality type would love that kind of job. And and, and that's something that I deal with a lot in my space. You know, there are certain guys that just do not have the patience to be a good painter. Like it would never happen. Like like not their world. They want to be constantly doing something fast. They want to be seeing new things happening quickly. And that's why they're great framers. You know, they can walk into a space. Nothing was there. They go home. We got the outline of a three-story building. Cool. You know, that to them, that's a big change and whatever. And But they look at a room and they walk in like, oh, it used to be white. Now it's pink. Like, that's also a really big change. You know, if, for, for the person who's going to be in the room, maybe it's not as scale-wise as the room didn't exist. And now the outline of it is there. But now it is the the. Environment of the room has changed. It went from a plain white space to now there's some character to it. There, there's some color in here. There's some carpet in here, and all of us have these types of different mentality. Now, that's just in the business world. Obviously, there's lots of different or building world. There's obviously lots of different spaces within our own areas, and I bring that up because our personality types drive us to certain things that need to be done. That society needs all of this done but our little space so we can recognize as important as we think what we are doing is because we all kind of had that bias of I'm the most important person. My part of the puzzle is the most important, but the reality is is that we are just one of many and that every person's job and duties is necessary and needed from the spiritual standpoint. Obviously we don't need everything that's done economically speaking, but from a spiritual standpoint, we all have, a duty. And I think that that's why it's important to recognize that this person's duty is not what mine is, but to them, it still is just as important. And if someone came in here and didn't care about the work that I did and the work that I do, how would I feel about that? So can we keep that negative energy from going to someone else and just trying to look at it from their perspective? You know, they're, they're really proud of what they're doing here and what they're building and or whatever they're doing. Let's, let's treat them as a person because they are a person at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When we really recognize the infinite dignity of the human person, uh, each person, it costs the blood of Jesus. That's how valuable each person is in the eyes of God. And to realize that and, and behave accordingly is very challenging, uh, and especially as we have a less face-to-face world for one thing we it's hard to treat an email as a person. <laughs> it's hard to see the person on the other side of the email. Um, it's It's hard sometimes in person when somebody is uh, raging or uh, or uh, wrecked in some way to uh, to see the person as clearly but but you said it beautifully, Joe. I think if we really extend ourselves to see the person to Believe in the person to support the person. You know the the word authority is related to the word growth. Uh, to author something is uh, comes from the word agri means growth, uh, like agriculture. And and when authority is used properly, it fosters growth. And some of the examples you just gave, you know, yelling at the person, tearing them down, making them feel terrible about who they are and what they did, that does not foster growth. Even when someone is corrected we have to be careful. Uh, I like the idea that correction has to do with behavior. Rejection has to do with identity, but we tend to identify our, uh, connect our identity to our behavior, our productivity, our job. And when we correct someone, we have to be careful that they don't feel rejected. And so we can build up the person, even when we have to adjust the behavior. And sometimes we even have to let people go. You know, I mean, we, uh, somebody isn't living up to their uh, end of the bargain. And we have to say, well, it's not the best thing for them to work here. And it's not the best thing for the rest of us for them to work here. And for the sake of everybody involved, I need to uh, end this particular relationship of employment, for example. That, That all happens, but we don't need to reject the person, put them down, shame them, or badger them, or beat them in order to do that. We can treat them as a person and say, you know, it's not the best thing for you to work here. You're your behavior, your actions, even after all my efforts, I don't know what else to do to help you uh, to, to grow in the work that we need you to do here. The whole team needs you to do. And so, you know, so we can move them along at that point.
0: Yeah. And what I have found is that when it comes time to, to end those working relationships, it's basically one of two funnels that I have found either a, the way that the position was articulated wasn't what it was in reality. And by articulated, I mean the vision that both the employer and the employee had of what the job will be, didn't line up. And that's a communication skill that companies can get better at articulating. Or flat out number two is the employee um, just wasn't capable of doing it. And then they tried to force themselves into something that they thought would do and, you know, some people just don't have the skills to do everything, you know, and that's life. You know, we're not meant to have the skills to do everything. And in my opinion, it's better to clarify those things as often as quickly as you can, because at least in most large companies, they're constantly hiring anyway. So it's normally better to internally shift someone than to remove someone altogether and try to bring in new people. It's normally better to say, okay, you're fine. Like we actually like, like you as a person, you just shouldn't be an accountant. Like you should be outside doing stuff. You hate being in a cubicle doing this where you're out in the field all the time and connections like that end up building better companies in the long run. So we, we thank everyone for listening. Hopefully that this made sense to people out there and it helps build the relationships and treat everyone out there as, You know, as you want to be treated, just as it's said there in the Bible. You know, it's it's this is what this implement comes down to, and under the umbrella of love. So we thank everyone out there for listening and trying to implement that into their lives moving forward. Perfect. Great.